of these great video clips, and we're going to have these video clips throughout the summer months uh, for each of the places that we visit in Greece. So in case you haven't figured it out yet, uh, today we begin a series called Cross Church Goes to Greece, and I hope that everybody got a bulletin and uh, tells you what's happening in the summer months uh, leading into September. So please, if you haven't got one yet, make sure you get one. Uh, for those who are wondering, um, we're not actually going to Greece. Everybody knows that? I had someone come to me uh, the past week saying, are we really going there? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but no, we're not really going to Greece. Uh, at least we're not going there physically. We're going to go there, I suppose, in spirit and in our imaginations. Um, we're going to visit the cities and towns that the Apostle Paul visited on his second missionary journey. If you know the book of Acts, you know that the missionary uh, Paul uh, went on a number of, of missions trips, and uh, it was on his second journey out that he went to, to Greece. Now, it was not his intention to go there. You need to understand that. Going to Greece was actually by the leading of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, it wasn't something that he had actually set out to do. I want to just begin by telling you that uh, Gloria and I were actually missionaries in Greece. I don't know if you knew that or not. Some of you do. Uh, we actually were located in the, in the north of Greece in a city called Thessaloniki. Anybody, anybody heard of Thessaloniki? You've heard of the letters to the Thessalonians, first and second Thessalonians? How many have heard of that? Just wave at me, nod or, or do something. <laughs> yeah, and so Jesse, our, our firstborn, was actually born there. And that's why we call him First Thessalonians. <laughs> and uh, someday maybe, no, it's too late now. Uh, okay, you know where I was going with that, Second Thessalonians, that's not going to happen. Uh, we discovered that when we got to Greece, to Thess Thessaloniki particularly, I was in Athens for a year, went home, got married to Gloria, and then the, the two of us were in Thessalon Thessaloniki. And uh, we discovered that the Greeks look like us, uh, they dress like us, they live like us, but they're very different. Actually, Macedonia is what they call the edge of Europe, and it is very much, and even to this day, very much influenced by the East. And so you are kind of on the edge, and sometimes it looks west, and sometimes it looks east, you're just not quite sure. So, um, Tim, is this microphone not working? Do I need to change? Yes, okay. Everybody try that. Touch your neighbor. Bizarre, eh? Never seen a European do that, but the Greeks do. So this, and, and if they don't even feel like, if they don't feel like making any noise, they'll just raise their eyebrows like this. Did you see it? That means no. So if you're going shopping, you say, can I buy some lemons? They'll go, 
I can remember how frustrated I was, or Gloria was, when we go shopping and, and they, they're just going, you don't know what that means. And you ask again and they act like, and then it's like, <laughs> that's shouting. <laughs> and yes is like this. Did you, did you catch it? Now you try it. You're becoming Greeks now. See, we are in Greece. So yes is like this, no is like this, so you don't know if you're getting yes or no or where, where you are, you're all confused. Uh, very different. Very much the edge of Europe. Um, they, uh, they were always worried about the evil eye. Has anybody heard of the evil eye? It, uh, I still can't explain it after all these years. Basically, they've got a little blue charm with an eye on it, and that charm is supposed to keep away the evil eye. Um, I'll never forget the first time we took Jesse out for a a walk, a stroll when he was a baby. And our neighbors came along and looked and oohed and odd, you know, like, like women do. The men are just like, oh, nice kid. Uh, but, the, but the women are like, oh, it's, she's, he's so beautiful. <laughs> and then, yeah, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Why are you spitting when you look at my kid? <laughs> well, we discovered it wasn't because he was ugly kid. We discovered that the reason they were doing that is because when you say something nice, you've got to confuse, uh, sorry, Jess, you've got to confuse the devil, the evil eye, by spitting. So you pay a compliment, and then you confuse the devil by spitting. The devil doesn't know if you're complimenting or if you're insulting the child. Okay, it works for them. <laughs> you will find this as you go through the East, very, very much like that. Okay, why do I say all that? I say all this to say this. That when the Apostle Paul came to Macedonia, to Greece, the message that he brought, the message of the gospel, literally transformed the West. In fact, when Paul came to Macedonia, this marked the beginning of what we now call Western culture. Interesting, isn't it? Well, let's talk about how Paul got to that place. Uh, let me add something else uh, while we're talking about Greece. Uh, how many know that there's huge economic problems in Greece today? Anybody know that? You've been following the news? If you're living under a rock, you might not know about this. But for those of us who are not living under a rock, you know that right now Greece is going through a real difficult time economically. And everybody's shocked and surprised and they can't understand why this would be. But here's the thing that most people don't understand. You, you've heard me say this before, how uh, the Greeks value craftiness and cunning. Uh, if they know how to make a buck... Uh, it doesn't matter how they make it, as long as they make it, uh, then that's, that's what's valued and that's what's admired in, in Greeks. So it comes as no surprise to me that Greece is in the condition it's in economically. And it comes as no surprise to historians, because the fact of the matter is, is that since 1826, Greece has defaulted on its loans and on its, uh, has, has gone bankrupt five times since 1826. So what's happening right now is just par for the course. It's part of that Eastern uh, mentality. Get what you can, and it doesn't matter how you get it. Now, Paul and his companions are actually on a missions trip. They are, uh, they're traveling through what we call Turkey. It's Asia Minor through Turkey. And as they're traveling along, um, uh, God, God stops them so that they can't, they can't do what they have set out to do. Things are not going smoothly anymore. 
Have you ever found that at times in your life when things, things seem to be going along smoothly and all of a sudden, boom, something happens and, and, the, and the road's rocky. It's rough and it, it's, not, it's not what you expect. And you, you begin to wonder, God, where are you? Do you love me? Do you care about me? Are you nearby? Does that happen to anybody here? Happens to me. You're just trucking right along and, and then suddenly thing, the road gets rocky and suddenly it's, you're, you're facing difficulty and you can't understand why that is. Well, here's the thing. Have you ever noticed that uh, oftentimes when, when the road is easy, you tend to maybe not be as close to God as you would be during difficult times? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You tend to think, you know, I can, I, I'm doing fine. I, I can manage on my own. I, you know, I'll pray and go to church, but, you know, I don't have to get too spiritual or too religious. But when times get difficult, when things are, things are struggling, that's when you find yourself drawing close to God. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when God says no. There is a, there is a, a prevailing North American theology that suggests that God always says yes. And that if you have enough faith, you can get what you want and do what you want. And not only that, you can get all of heaven behind you to support whatever it is that you want to do. Now, to tell you this, anybody who believes that, who follows that kind of teaching, is, a, is really ignorant, does not know their Bible at all. You need to go back to the Scriptures. You need to go back to the New Testament and discover the way that God works with his people. The fact of the matter is, is that sometimes God says no. Would you tell a person beside you while the baby's crying that sometimes God says no? Go ahead, say it. Sometimes God says no. Good. Very good. All right. If you look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, listen to this. Paul, it says this, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. That's part of Asia Minor, or what we would call Turkey today. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Now, listen to that. The, the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the gospel. Now, that doesn't sound right, does it? I mean, why would God stop Paul from preaching the gospel? I mean, isn't that what God wants? Doesn't God want that? But it says here that the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the gospel. And then it says, coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. Now, I've got to just stop here and say this. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God does not allow. Sometimes God prevents. Sometimes God says, this is not what I want. But you say, God, I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing it exactly, I'm doing exactly the thing that you tell me to do in the Word. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So Paul and his companions are doing that. But the Spirit of God is saying, no, it's not what I want you to do. He frustrates sometimes and he doesn't allow. Has anybody ever seen The Sound of Music? Anybody, any men willing to admit that? And you know in The Sound of Music, where the, the part where uh, Maria, Julie Andrews, says, uh, sometimes when God closes a door, he... How many know that does not come from the Bible? That's not a Bible verse. 
In this case, the door is closed, the window is closed, the cracks are sealed. There's just no way going through for Paul and his companions. God's saying, no, this is not the way you're going. This is not what I want you to do. Now, the question is this. Is when God says no to you, what's your reaction? What's your response to God when God says no? Now, here's where we see where maturity comes in where spiritual maturity enters in. If your reaction in the times of difficulty and struggle is to get angry, then we know who the control freak is. Are you a control freak? Hmm. Honestly speaking, God, why won't you let me do what I want to do? And our reaction is, to get angry. Can I just remind everybody today what anger is, in fact? Anger is your emotional response to not getting your way. You think about it. When you get angry, you're getting angry because you're not getting your way. Somebody is thwarting your plans. Someone's trying to block you, stop you from doing what you want to do. As Christians who are yielding to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, work in me and use me, then you've got to be prepared for God saying no. And you've got to be able to handle it the way God wants you to handle it. So the apostles, the apostle Paul and his companions are being blocked by God. God's saying no, 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 no. He's prevented, did not allow it. They could do one of two things. They could say, okay, God, that's it. I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not playing this game anymore. God, find somebody else to use. It's no fair. I've given you my very best. I've set out with, with every good intention to, to, to honor you and to please you and to do your will. But God, you're just saying, no, no, no. You're being unfair. And I don't want to play this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going home. Paul could have done that. Paul could have said, God, you've seen the great work that I've done. You know that I am the great apostle Paul, God. Don't you know who I am? God says, no, that's not what you're going to do. Now, some of you in your life right now are at that place where God's saying no to you. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. God's saying, no, that's not the one for you. Maybe it's a career that you want to pursue. God's saying, no, that's not the thing for you. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. Things you want to buy. You want to get that boat. I want to get that boat. I want, honey, I want to get that boat. <laughs> I want to get that boat. No. I want to get that cabin. I want to buy that new house. God's saying no. What's your reaction? You're going to go do an end run, go around God and do your own thing? You're going to react and get angry at God and say, God, this is not fair. I've been a faithful servant of yours all these years. Or are you going to say, God... What's your plan? What is it that you're trying to say to me? What is it that you want to do with me and in my life? We had a board member. It's the only time in all the 30 years I've been in the ministry. A board member who was on our board and who was not able to do the job. It just didn't have the giftings for it. Didn't have the skills to do the job. It was not his thing. And uh, we unfortunately had to ask him, you know, okay, it's over. You can't, you, you shouldn't do that. You couldn't do that. And rather than being gracious about it and saying, all right, I, I recognize that what you're saying is true. It's not my thing. He got angry and left the church. 
That's it. I'm gone. I'm out of here. What's your reaction when God says no to you? Do you get angry? You say, I want to be in control. I want to, I want to be the captain of my own ship. I want to make the decisions. No one's going to tell me what to do. Here's what I've discovered as a father. And it's really, really helped me to understand my heavenly father. Sometimes, and it's really the hardest thing that I have to do as a father, one of the hardest things, my kids want to do something, they ask for something, and I have to say, no. And I'm sure that they're tempted to think, well, dad's a mean old dad, mean old, lousy old... If he really loved us, he would let us get that, what is it, the Xbox, no, not the Xbox, which one is it now? If he really loved us, he would let us buy, go, have, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I can tell them why. The answer is no. Sometimes I can't even tell them the reason why. But the answer is no. And I'm hoping that they understand that I love them so much and want so much the best for them that they'll trust me when I say no. Sometimes God says no, and I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I know this about my Father in Heaven. I know that my Father in Heaven loves me and wants the very best for me. And I know that my Father in Heaven wants to use me for His purposes. You see, I've, I've asked God to use me for His purposes. Has anybody done that? Have you said, God, here am I, use me? If you've prayed that prayer, you better be ready for what He has for you because it might not be what you expected and it may not even be what you want. But I'm going to tell you this, the greatest joy in this life is being used by God in a way that fulfills His plans and purposes. And sometimes it means God has to say no to me so that His will can be done. Anybody ever hear of Joshua? Anybody heard, anybody heard of him? If you don't say yes, I'm going to sing the song about Joshua. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to hear it? <laughs> Joshua fit the battle. Joshua fit the battle of... Yeah, you know that song. Okay, stop. Uh, <laughs> you know the story. He's already crosses the river. He's been affirmed by God. He's a great victory. The walls of Jericho fell down. They are invincible. They think pretty highly of themselves. And then they say, well, we're going to go attack I. That's, it. That's another city. A-I. I. We're invincible. And you know the story. They go and attack I, and I beats the daylights out of them. Men die. And Joshua, here's what Joshua says. Joshua 7, 7. It says, then Joshua cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? Why did you bring us into the promised land if you're going to let them kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. If only we didn't go into the promised land. God said no to them on I because 
they had sinned against God. And you know the story. One, of the, one, one man, Achan, disobeyed God. God said, don't keep any of the loot for yourself. Destroy it all. But one man, Achan, saw clothes, money, all these great possessions. He thought, well, nobody's seeing, nobody's watching. So he gathers it together, digs a hole, buries it, and says, nobody will know about this. Nobody will know about it but God. And what happens next? God says to Joshua, get off your face. Joshua's on his face and he's, he's just whining, complaining, and accusing God because God said no. God says, get off your face. He gets, off, gets up off the ground, off of his face, and God says to him, I said no for a reason. The reason I said no is because I said everything that comes from the city belongs to me. It must be destroyed. With their sin in the camp, it's going to hurt Israel. And right at the very start, at the beginning, at the beginning of the birth of Israel, they learned a valuable lesson that Israel must obey God or suffer the consequences. Now, here's a time when we discover why God says no. But guess what? We don't always know why God says no. But I do know this, that God always has a plan. God, how many know that God has a plan? How many know that we don't always know what the plan is? That it's not always obvious, and we don't figure it out right away? Janet? Janet is the one that's responsible for logistics for this missions trip, 30 people going to Africa. And um, I'm on the advance team. There's 10 of us going July 23rd. And uh, we're supposed to go to Tuala. And the latest from Tuala is that they're getting kicked off their land. The missionary, his 850 chickens, is getting kicked off their land. And so we're, what, three weeks away? And, um, and um, I've got 16 people going to Chihuahua. We don't even know if we're going to have a place to sleep. And then the container's being held up, and it's got the tents in it that we're sleeping in for three weeks. Can anybody see how important it is to know the mind and the will of God and how easy it would be to panic and say, God, where are you? And I thought you cared, and don't you care? I'm going to tell you this, that if you don't have faith to trust God, when these sorts of things come along, they can freak you out and make you think God isn't real. God doesn't care. God doesn't answer prayers. But I know this, my friends. I know this. There's a reason for us going to Chihuahua. I just don't know what it is. I believe that God has a plan. And everybody said, that's easy for you to say. You're not going. (laughs) God has a plan. He has another plan. So here's Paul and the 
and Silas and his companions traveling through Asia Minor, Turkey. And God says, no, 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 this is not the way you're going to do it. This is not what you're going to do. It's not what you're going to do. And then finally, says, listen, look, look at the scripture verse here. It says, can you read that? Can you read that? It says, that night Paul had a dream. A Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. We went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. Isn't that something? God said no and no and no and no. And then all of a sudden, God says, here's what I want you to do. It's not that Turkey didn't need to hear the, more of the gospel. That's not it. But God had another plan. And here's the number one thing that we have got to learn and understand as Christians. Is that you've got to understand that God has a will, He has a purpose, He has a plan. And our job is to fall in line with His plan. To say, God, what do you want me to do? Would you say that with me? God, what do you want me to do? Say it. God, that needs to be your prayer. And so Paul, not knowing what to do next, gets this dream of a man, of a Macedonian man saying, come on over and help us. And so what does he do? He immediately heads out to Macedonia. Next week we're going to talk about Neapolis, the landing place where Paul first, or when Paul first arrived in the seaport of Neapolis. We're going to talk about what, what happened from there. But today, Understand this. When God says no to you, it's not that God is trying to be mean. It's not that God is necessarily even angry at you. It's not that God wants you to be frustrated and angry. He doesn't want you to have a fit. He doesn't want you to start sobbing and fall apart and have a nervous breakdown. What He wants you to do is He wants you to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? My friends, this is mature Christianity. This is the Christianity that is real and vibrant and alive. It's the kind of Christianity that turns the world upside down. It's a Christianity that says this, and you have to get this. God, what is it that you want me to do? So when we get to Zambia, Janet, we're going to be saying, God, what is it that you want us to do? We were going to build a fence. We were going to build a play structure. We were going to build a a big bathroom facility. And by the looks of it, so far, God is saying, am I embarrassed? Absolutely not. I'm not embarrassed. I'm excited. I'm excited at what God wants to do. And I know that when we get there, we're going to find out exactly what it is that we're supposed to do. Now this, now this missionary trip is getting exciting. Now it's, Adam, are you excited? Now it's getting really exciting. When you're younger, you don't know a whole lot. <laughs> so yeah, this is exciting. This is great. When you're the logistics person, it's kind of a nightmare, isn't it, Janet? But do you remember a few weeks back I said that we need to learn how to say What way is the Spirit blowing? What is it that God wants to do? 
My friends, this is exciting Christianity. When you begin to be led by God day by day, when you start to experience God speaking to you and leading you and guiding you day by day and sometimes moment by moment, wow, I'm in step with the Spirit of God. God's having his way. God's wanting to use me. God's wanting to use us in a way that we have, we have no way of knowing what's going to happen. And this is the way it is with Paul. He's, he comes to Greece. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He has no idea what's about to happen. But I can tell you this. How many know that hindsight is 2020? Everybody knows that, right? You look back and you can see everything clearly. Everything makes sense. We look back over, over the years and we see that when Paul arrived in Macedonia with a gospel message for Europe, he planted the seeds that, that developed what we now understand as Western culture. It's, he, that message, the gospel message, created the West. It's the place that people want to be. It's the place that people want to move to. Listen, listen to this. I'm going to share this with you. There's a, a, a man from India. His name is Vishal Mangalwadi, a native of India. And uh, a great, a, 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 great uh, a great Christian who has a great Christian worldview. What I mean by that is, is uh, his insight as a Christian and how he understands the working of God in our culture. Here's what he says. He believes that much of India, including the language, this is, this is a shock to me when I read this, but this is what he says. Much of India, including the language, the educational system, the political freedom, was developed not out of Hinduism, but out of Christianity. Did you get that? And, they, and, and you've heard people attack Christianity and the missionaries and how they, how they destroy cultures, etc., etc. It's absolute nonsense. In his book, the book that uh, is what it called, the book that made your world, how the Bible created the soul of Western civilization, he explores the impact of the Bible on societies. And uh, here's what he says: He says that uh, the Bible's impact uh, is unparalleled. It's unparalleled in the liberty and the prosperity that it has brought to cultures that have embraced. Biblical ideas and biblical truth. And uh, he says that this is why the West has been successful to date, because it has embraced the gospel truth. Now, think about that for a moment. God said no to Paul and his companions going through Turkey, and he says, I want you to go. To Greece, I want you to go to Macedonia, and I want you to plant the seeds that's going to create prosperity and success in the Western culture that will absolutely bring bring hope to a broken and hurting world. Now, I, I can't do this justice in the time that I have, but I'm going to tell you this today: that what happened the moment that Paul set foot. In Greece, the moment he set foot in Macedonia was like a, a historical tsunami. 
an earthquake of Japanese proportions. Huge, huge, huge historical impact. It literally transformed the world. And it happened, my friends, because Paul was willing to receive a no, was willing to take a no from God and willing to do what God said. Are you willing to do what God says? Because here's the thing. When you do what God wants you to do, when you do what God says, that's when your life has significance. That's when your life brings a change to the people around you. When you're willing to say, God, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. God, I'm willing to give up my rights. I'm willing, God, to give up control. God, I'm willing not to be a control freak, but allow you to be in control. When you're willing to do that, then watch the miracles that will take place because of you. This, uh, this Christian thinker, Vishal Mangalwadi, he examines the intellectual roots of Western concepts, which come right out of the Bible, of human dignity, of reason, of morality, science, liberty, self-sacrificial heroism explaining how these concepts grew out of biblical principles. This is what the Apostle Paul brought to Europe almost 2,000 years ago because he was willing to say, God, not my will, but thine be done. God, I'm willing to take a no from you. So I can only believe this, Janet, that when we get to Chihuahua, God is going to do some extraordinary things because we're willing to say, God, whatever you want, we're willing to do it. Dennis had all everything purchased, ready to go with that play structure. Dennis, he had he's, it's in the container. When we get there, we've got slides. How many remember the slides we had on the platform here? Some of you thought they were slides into the baptismal tank. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen with those slides now. No idea. But I'm willing to take a no from God if it means that some greater work can be done for His glory and honor. Are you willing to say, God, I'll take the no? So that you can use me? Magalwadi, he says, uh, he and his wife tried to take care of a baby girl whose parents had refused to provide her with medical care that she needed so that she could digest food. As unbelievable as it sounds, the parents refused to let the Christian couple, Magalwadi's, rescue their daughter because their fatalistic, karma based religion taught them that their daughter had no hope for a happy life. That's what their religion taught them. The Malgawadis came along and said, look, let us take your baby and we will give her a happy life. Why does one couple want to abandon their daughter to death? Well, this other couple is willing to take that daughter and nurture and give life to this child. I'll tell you why. Because the gospel message had penetrated the hearts of the Malgawadis. And it happened because of a missionary by the name of Paul who was willing to do what God wanted him to do. Now, one of the things that I learned early in my Christian life is that my ways are not God's ways. How many know that? And how many are glad of that? (laughs) Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. And this is, this is right from the mouth of God. He says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you get the drift here, folks? <laughs> God's smarter than we are, and he knows what he's doing, and he's got a plan. He knows where he's going. He knows what needs to happen. And what you and I need to learn is that we, I, am not God. How many know today that your pastor's not God? You know that? Yeah. How many know today that your wife is not God? Your husband's not, your kids are not God. And yet all these forces control us. They try to direct us. They try to tell us what to do, where to go, what to be. My friends, remember who your God is. Sometimes he says no. But I'll tell you this, he always has a plan. I just want to close with this. I was thinking about some of the things that God has said no to me about. Um, anybody know the bank right over here? Does anybody remember when we tried to make an offer on that bank? Remember that? Mr. Cooter, you're laughing. You, you remember that. We tried to get that bank. And we, uh, we were willing to give them a lot of money. Well, we were willing to give them a receipt. <laughs> they weren't buying it. <laughs> no pun intended. And so we didn't get the bank. We got a lab next door. What's that about? I don't know. But God said no. And I think Marilyn would agree with me in saying that that would have made a great CE wing instead of having to go to the community center. But God said no. I don't know why, but he said no. About two years ago, we had, a, we had a, somebody who was interested in buying this building from us and willing to give us about $1.5 million for it, which is a, an awful lot more than we paid for it. But God said no. When we first came to this church, we bought the, we bought, there was a parsonage beside the old church. How many remember the old church on Allegan Avenue? There was the, the house beside it, which the church owned. And then we bought the house beside that, thinking that we were going to be putting in a parking lot there so that the church would have parking. And I'm so thankful that God said, yeah, because he had a different plan, a better plan. There's certain people over the years that I've wanted to hire to work here to help, but God said no. A few years back, my stepsister Amber got cancer, and we prayed, and we fasted, and we prayed, and we thought we saw encouraging signs. And uh, God said no. That really set me back. You know, some things, some things God reveals to you in this side of heaven. But there's some things, folks, you're just not going to learn until you get to heaven. How many know that today? But we know this, that God is good, and he's good. And trusting and believing in the goodness of God gives us the confidence to trust God that whatever happens, whatever may happen, that God knows what he's doing. And if he says no, he knows what he's doing. Have you come to that place in your own Christian life where you're willing to say, God, I'm okay with no, because, God, I know that you know best. Some of us here have just gone, done end runs around God, and you, you married that person you knew you shouldn't marry, and now you're suffering for it. 
Ouch. Ouch. Trust God, my friends. He knows what he's doing. Trust God. He wants the best for you. Trust God. He wants to use you for his purposes. Back uh, while we were still in the old church, we, uh, we were expecting our fourth child. And we were far enough along where we were able to report it and tell everybody the joyful news. We're going to have a fourth child. But then God said, no. And it broke our hearts. But at the end of the day, we could say, we know, we know that we know that God is good and he has his reasons and we can trust him. Has God said no to you? Is God saying no to you right now about something in your life? Are you willing to say, God, I trust you. I believe and know that you have my my very best interests at heart. Do you believe that? Because this is what true faith is. True faith trusts God and says, God, I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm willing to accept whatever it is that you want from me. Jesus, on the night that he was arrested, was in the garden praying. And the Bible says he... uh, While he was praying, he was wrestling with God, and this is what he prayed. He said, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. So many of us don't understand. We think that Jesus was glad to go to the cross. If Jesus was happy to be nailed to the cross, then he wouldn't be our Lord. He'd be a lunatic. Oh, there was joy. The Bible says there's joy in going to the cross, but the joy is in doing the will of the Father and the effect that it will have on you and me. But here it is. He's in the garden and he's praying, Father... If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. God, if it's possible, don't send me to the cross. If there's another way, God, please. And then he prays this. He says, yet, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. This is the mature and godly Christian Christianity that God's looking for in all believers. You're willing to say, God, I'm going to let you be in control. I'm going to get the hands off, my hands off the steering wheel of my life. Remember when people had this the license plate that said, God is my co-pilot? Remember that? Yeah. Okay, like throw that away. If you got that in your car. If you got a bumper sticker, take that off. Or leave it on and scratch in there, God is my pilot. 
and scratch out co. He's not your co-pilot. You, you don't want it to be your co-pilot. You want it to be the pilot. You want to say, God, not my will, but thine be done. God, if it's a no today, I'm willing to take the no. The Apostle Paul said, God, I'm cool with not being in Turkey any longer. I'm cool going to Greece. Would you stop me, please? And I want to ask you that question this morning. Are you cool with what God wants for you? Is it okay? Are you giving God the okay? Let's pray. Father, we want your will to be done in our lives. And God, when you come along and say no to us, we don't want to react out of anger or bitterness or resentment. We want to say, Father, may thy will be done. May your will be done in my life. Father, as we go from this place right now, may we go as people who are sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. May we surrender the control of our lives and say, God, have, have your way. And those moments when we don't understand what's going on, God, help us to remember that you do know what's going on. And when we're struggling with the way things are in our lives, help us to understand, God, you know all about it. Help us to trust you. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to say, God, have, have your way. And God, we know that when we learn to do that, that's where the true joy and the true happiness is. And so we praise you and we give you thanks for your Holy Spirit who goes with us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? God bless you. Go with God.